It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. One just has to pick up a magazine or turn on a television to see that we, as women, are bombarded daily with medium images of female physical perfection, leaving us with the most unrealistic of expectations as to how we should look. No wonder female body confidence is falling while incidents of eating disorders are on the rise. What's most alarming is the way this affects young girls. A reduced sense of self-worth can create anxiety, stress, even depression, causing relationship issues with potentially impairing academic and job performance. In direct contrast, Confidence in Bloom is designed to send the opposite message to any woman of any age, shape, or background who has ever felt inadequate, unworthy, or tossed aside because of how she looks. You matter. You are enough now. I, Tina Spolatini, a woman of substance, insist that women deserve to be happy, confident, successful, not to mention so totally in love with themselves in their own bodies just the way they are. Through an ongoing series of intriguing conversations with women from all walks of life who are all extraordinary in their own right, I will take us on a journey of ultimate self-acceptance and empowerment. Together we'll share the stories, laugh, learn, maybe even shed a few tears when you realize how far many women have come to realize just how wonderful life is when you stand in your own power, feeling fantastic in your own skin. Today I'm speaking with Ashley Angeline Kumar, and she is a certified self-esteem and self-confidence coach for kids and a certified master parenting coach. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation because I'm going to let you um, uh, introduce yourself, but I'm just, you know, I I love the topic of growing confident kids. I think Mm -hmm. we all as parents have to have lots to learn in that department. But please, start with introducing yourself. Absolutely. So, yes, my name is Ashley Angeline Kumar. I go by The Confidence Coach. And as a trauma-informed, certified self-esteem and self-confidence coach for kids and certified master parenting coach, I support families to go from disempowered, disconnected, and struggling to self-empowered, self-connected, and thriving. For kids, I use a six-step system rooted in storytelling, multisensory learning, and somatic wellness practices to develop resilience and confidence. I mean, kids in my programs enjoy stories, games, arts, crafts, journaling, discussions, and other fun activities while learning important life skills not very often taught in schools. And my parent clients are working towards conscious parenting with a desire to help their children develop high self-confidence, soaring self-esteem, and a strong self-image. And in that parent coaching process, we hold immense, empathic, and brave space. We collaborate to discover subconscious patterns that are impacting the family dynamics and shift them using, a, a, you know, a whole combination of modalities. And this allows parents to grow into conscious, confident, and empowered family leaders. And that is what I do. That sounds absolutely amazing. I'm going to start <laughs> with my, that my first question 
is how yeah. do you define confidence? Confidence is a sense of it, confidence is not a word. <laughs> I don't believe confidence is a word. It's a concept. It's a it's a it's something that's multifaceted. It includes self-image, self-worth, self-esteem, self-perspective, self-awareness, self-understanding. It includes how we uh, show up in the world and and kind of you know to some level. How, how we expect things to go for ourselves and what vision we hold for ourselves and, and what, how we matter in the world. That, to me, is self-confidence. It's a concept. That, yeah, I, I, I 100% get that. Mm-hmm. What does living your true confidence look like in children then? Yes. Well, that's an that's a amazing question. True confidence in children comes from being involved with caregivers, parents, the network that children are part of that really allow them to flourish into their true authentic selves. True authentic selves mean, doesn't mean we as the parent or the caregiver are projecting onto the child how we think they should be or how society might define how they should be or how they should grow up. Many parents are, you know, managing internal wounds from their own childhood, and often that results in a lot of projection onto their own children, which then causes a whole slew of challenges in the parenting dynamics, family dynamics, and, of course, the child's own sense of self, like, who am I in this family? How do I show up? What is my authentic voice? Does my voice matter? Or is it whatever my parents want, my caregivers want, my teachers want, what society wants? It's being a kid in today's modern world is a tough gig when we live in such an adult world. Kids live in a very adult world, adult agenda, adult timeline. It's a tough gig. And we need to put our kid goggles on to really help them understand, you know, these are just these are just the, the, the surface-level things. Who you really are on the inside, that's what we need to allow to come forward and nurture. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. And I, I truly, like, I, I can resonate with the, um, you know, um, we, we teach our kids based on our own experience of life up till now, right? So all our fears, all our beliefs, all our experiences we kind of put on them. Yeah. But how, how do, like, I'm just thinking, if we always gave the kids, you know, their own freedom of speech to let them be who they are, which is basically what you're saying we really should be doing, isn't that going to create more chaos for families? And I guess it depends on your definition of chaos. If chaos means to somebody that somebody gets to be themselves, then yes. I guess it develops more chaos. Or if if it means that allowing that child's true authentic self to come forward, that they're allowed to have opinions and we can create mutual respect, they're allowed to have their own thoughts, they're allowed to have their own feelings, and how do we show up in a way that supports them, then I don't believe it's chaos. I believe it's creating mutual understanding. I mean, I look at my kids. My kids are older now. My youngest is 16. And I can give him, like, his space to speak his mind, my yeah. youngest, right? And I, I don't have a problem with that. And I often will make it clear to him, you know, I appreciate your opinion, but that's not going to work for me right now. 
is that the kind of respect you mean, or do you mean like um, more of like decision making, uh, allowing them to make their own decisions, even at a young age of say seven or eight? Absolutely. See, if you look at child development and you you take a look at any two-year-old, you'll start to see their strong desire for autonomy. So something I work with uh, clients on is helping them understand core human needs, and most parents don't even know what they need in different situations. So I help them understand what are some of the core human needs, and autonomy is a big one, and it shows up right from toddlerhood. They want to do it, and they want to do it their way. They want to make choices and be feeling powerful. In fact, many kids who, who feel a sense of powerlessness are the ones who are exhibiting what we might reference as, quote, unquote, negative behavior. And that, you know, when, when parents are in the power over parenting paradigm, which is the more authoritarian style, and buckle down harder, it, in fact, exacerbates those kinds of behaviors. Now, I mean, that can lead to so many different repercussions. So absolutely, autonomy, the the ability to speak and to be heard, and it's okay to disagree with each other, and we can remain respectful even if we disagree with each other. Um, and I think that's what you're trying to get at. So it's, it's our understanding our core human needs as people, as individuals, and understanding how our kids have the same needs to speak up, to be heard, to have a voice, to make decisions, to feel powerful. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I started off parenting as sort of the offset, off, so I'm not going to be able to say it properly. You know, as authority. an authority. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I got wrenched <laughs> lips today. Um, and, and I realized I had twins first. And at the time, like, it was the only way I could, like, handle my own, you know, chaos in quotations there um but yeah. as, as as my kids got older i started to realize that you know i don't necessarily want them to think and act like me all the time right like i and i was mm. starting to notice that that's what was happening and so i had to back off and say okay they need to have their own opinion and so i kind of you know, really encourage them to have their own mind, even though I would all often say, like, no, no, my way is going to work, right? <laughs> but as they got older, I sort of, you know, I did back off a little bit. Maybe, you know, if you ask my twins now, they'll probably say no, with the youngest one for sure, but not with them as much. But then I think right. that's just parenting in general. But I wonder, like, if my kids are struggling with their own self-confidence, how how do I notice? Like, what do I have to look for? Because, I mean, sometimes it's really obvious. They'll put themselves down or, you know, but sometimes they don't do it that way because they know, as you know, the parents are, they're not going to accept any negative talk about themselves. Are there any other cues that we might be looking for? Behind every, you know, quote-unquote behavior or negative behavior is, a need. And so we really need to discover what are the needs behind this behavior. So behaviors can range from any which way, depending on the age of the child, the the traumas the child has experienced, the environment they're growing up in. So it can look anywhere from, you know, if they're struggling with self-talk, sorry, confidence, back-talk. It could be big behaviors, big baffling behaviors, uh, frequent emotional meltdowns. It could be um, shutting down, shutting out. It could be wanting to escape through, you know, video games or screen time, um, 
wanting to be by themselves, withdrawn. There's so many, like a wide range of things to look for in children. And so it really comes down to getting the support and some of the information to help sort of uh, decode what's happening with your child to determine is this self-confidence, is this self-esteem, what, what, what do we need to take a look at beyond what I'm seeing and look under the surface about so that I can support the child. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's basically like irregular behavior. Yeah, and and you're going to know your child the best. So you're going to – a lot of parents want to talk it down to, oh, it's just a phase. It's just a phase, but sometimes it's not. (laughs) Sometimes it's not a phase. Um, You know, I was a child who had very low self-esteem, very negative self-image, and my parents had no clue. They, like, had no clue what to look for, what to see. They just assumed it was just me being who I was. And that's really, really something that, as parents, we need to educate ourselves on and get clear and we need to notice patterns. So first we can understand what's going on. What's the behavior? What's beneath the behavior? What are what am I not seeing? What are the possible thoughts, um, beliefs the child's even having? And what is the patterns I'm noticing so that I can then, you know, approach my child? And I, I teach something called empowered conversations. Approach my child with an empowered conversation so I can support them and we can figure out, you know, um, how to explore solutions together. Right. I get that. Um, oh, I had this awesome question, and now it just flew by my brain. So okay. what what do you think causes, like, the lack of confidence? That, oh, I know it, yeah. So, I mean, is it normal for, like, say, 15, well, I, I'm going to say 14 to 16, that age group? I found with all three of my kids, that's when they lost their self-confidence. Is is that like a normal state, or is there something happening that's making these kids go through that? The statistics show that the strongest decline in self-confidence in kids happens between age 8 and 13. After that, you're seeing the impact of that loss of confidence from 8 to 13 show up and manifest in their behaviors. So it's probably something that might have been missed earlier, that now we're seeing in a more defined slash obvious way. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So that, yeah. I guess that's mm-hmm. why I saw it between 14 and 16. Yeah. But it, it was something that was happening before. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what causes that lack of confidence? See, like it's obviously it's not going to be the same for every child, right? No. No, not at all. Every child's unique. Every child has a different temperament, different upbringing, different parents, different traumas, different, you know, some kids are neurodivergent. There's so many aspects to how this goes. Some kids are born as highly sensitive kids. They're inherited, the you know, anxiety gene from their parents. There's so many things that impact and influence how things go and what the trajectory of a child's life is going to be. Um, but I'm going to say all of this starts in infancy, it doesn't start, you know, we start to see the impact of being part of the regular world between 8 and 13, and kids are really, like, starting to compare themselves and look around and starting to develop a sense of self while navigating a very complex world. And then, you know, you start to see it manifest differently in the teen years. But it starts in infancy. Are we offering 
the tools, the strategies? Are we using those um, tools and strategies that we might not have yet? We should. We need to learn and develop and understand about child development, neuroscience, attachment science, nervous system science, all those things that I work with on my with my clients on to help support the child right from infancy. I was a parent who didn't have those tools. I didn't know that, except when I had kids, that's when it was like, oh, wow, all my, all my past is coming up. All my stuff is coming up. I don't want to, you know, have my children go down the same path I went. So what do I need to do? How do I need to do this differently so that they have a different experience? And everything um, I have learned and understood is it starts from infancy. It starts from even pre, pre-birth in, the, in, in utero. But definitely when you have the child in front of you and they are there and part of your life now, it starts right from there. How do we speak to them? How do we attune to them? You know, um, brain science, when you look at mother and infant or parent and infant, even attunement and attachment starts developing right from birth. If If a baby is looking at you and cooing and cawing and then they look away, that's the child's cue. I need to take a break right now. But many parents are like, they try to get in their child's face and they want to laugh or they want to giggle or they want to, they want something to come from that child that feeds them and nourishes them as the parent. The child might be needing a break. So that's an example of attunement and developing attunement and, a, and quality secure attachment right from infancy. So it starts, it starts young. So we can start empowering our kids from a very young age to develop you know, emotional intelligence, understand their needs and vocalize them, understand what self-esteem is, understand what self-confidence is. This is all stuff I wasn't, we didn't learn in schools, really. We learned all the academic stuff, <laughs> maybe a couple classes here and there on self-esteem, but really we didn't get a lot of tools and strategies when we were in school. So this is the kind of stuff I work on with kids, and it starts young, and, and it's never too late to start, and it's never too early to start. Right. I, I agree with that. I think especially if you, you know, were a teenager with, you know, low self-confidence and low self-esteem, you will bring that into your, your adulthood with you. Um, yeah. I'm a little confused, though. So you were saying that, like, okay, so if, you, you know, you're making that you're playing with the baby and, you know, the baby's laughing and, and carrying on and giggling and then wants to, like, she turns away. Yeah, and then you know the parent is still you know kind of you know teasing her or whatever it is to make her giggle. Um, yeah. So you're you're like I don't understand how that's confidence breaking because they don't know. Like I understand that okay, I'm tired. I don't want to play anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But are you saying that their so low self confidence is because of like I get that it's our actions, but. It's because yeah. we're prodding them and putting them on show. Well, how would you feel if you were being prodded and put on show today as an adult? For sure, I'd be like, "Yeah, like, yeah, you can leave me now, right?" This I, I feel very good. I yeah. don't remember when I was a child. I don't, you know. Yeah. I, but I remember doing that. But I also remember mm. saying, "Okay, she's had enough, right?" Like, yeah. she doesn't want to play this anymore. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not about confidence in those moments, in those beginning moments. It's about how, what is the quality of our, there's something called attachment science. And attachment science is the development of the relationship between parent and child. And when there's a lot of what I, what is referenced as misattunement, 
okay? It creates challenges in the parent-child relationship. When there is challenges in the parent-child relationship, this is going to impact self-esteem and self-confidence as they grow. So when I talk about, you know, right from infancy, that's what we mean. The entire life experience we have impacts our level of self-esteem and self-confidence. Right? If we had a parent who, from age two or three, put us down a lot or teased us a lot or put us on show, let's talk about that, then, then it's not going to feel like your boundaries are being respected. And it's, on the conscious level, a child doesn't understand that. On a conscious level, or sorry, on a subconscious level, the child simply makes a conclusion about themselves or the world around them. So, uh-huh. you know, I'm going to give you an example. When I was really small, my my parents thought, my people thought I was cute. I had chubby cheeks. There was a lot of comments about my chubby cheeks and whatever. And they liked it when I danced. And they would prod me to dance in front of people. And I remember I have strong, like you could call them trauma memories, I have tra- strong memories of Shouting, don't, I don't want to know and trying to uh, move away and run down the hallway. And then I hear all the parents and adults in the group laughing. Oh, she's so sensitive. Oh, she's so this, she's so that. So, of course, the quality of attachment that we have with our kids, the quality of relationship we're developing from infancy, from toddlerhood, going to impact self-esteem and self-confidence. I'm not sure if you or your listeners are aware, but we develop our core beliefs about ourselves and how the world works by age seven. After age seven, there's something called a confirmation confirmation bias, which kicks in. I mean, it's always there, but it kicks in pretty strongly. And between eight and 13, we look for evidence to confirm, or you know, evidence in our environment and what we hear and what we take in about who we are, what people say, Look for evidence to confirm what we already believe. So if a child believes, I have to put on a show, this is essentially what we would call in the adult world people-pleasing, to be loved, to be seen, to be heard. I need to, to do that. They will develop that belief. And it's a subconscious belief. They don't know they have it. Uh, the subconscious is uh, Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton, if you take a look at his work, the first seven years is like living in hypnosis. Everything we take in is developing what we call neural pathways in our brain, forming our brain and our life experiences. And from then on, we, we build on that. The first seven years, I'm sure you've heard, is, is critical. What is happening in those seven years? And then what's manifesting between 8 and 13? And what are we seeing in the teenage years and adult years? It's all interconnected. Wow. <laughs> Powerful, I mean, right? This isn't it's not really new to me. Like I mean, over mm-hmm. the years I've heard this in, you know, little bits and pieces here and there, but I just you yeah. know, I didn't realize I guess that I mean, I know the whole core beliefs by the age of seven, right? Yeah. But you don't actually start living them until you're older and more independent, so into your teenagers, which makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah I, because the logical all... brain isn't developed until age 25. So, uh, you know, now as in my 30s, I was able to look back in my childhood and, and make sense of what was happening. I wasn't able to do that before, and I had to do that with support. 
the key is that, you know, that I coach kids and parents, I help them try to see it sooner than later so that we can make the shift sooner than later. Right, right. So so now that, okay, let's say uh, a mom comes to you and she's got a 15-year-old daughter and she says, you know, it doesn't matter what I say to her, she's so hard on herself, she's, you know, she's really, she just can't be positive in anything in her life. What can I do? What is your yeah. first piece of advice? Well, I don't give advice. I help people understand what's happening for themselves and we do it, I'm a coach, so I do it through a certain process. Normally, when I coach kids, I also coach parents because I find that's the missing link. A lot of when I first started coaching, I was more working mostly with kids, and I found that results were ineffective because parents aren't on the same page. They're not able to; they don't have the same skills I'm teaching their child. So, how are they going to be able to emphasize it at home to be able to support their child? So, I started to uh, look more into parent coaching, and that's when I got my certifications and whatnot. And um, that's. It's a collaborative experience. So when a parent comes to me and says, this is what's going on for my child, I don't know how to deal with this, uh, it's imperative that I work with both the child and the parent to unearth what are some of the dynamics that are happening. When did you see the surface? What are some of the things you're hearing? When we, when a person's really down on themselves, they're going to use negative self-talk. Negative self-talk develops based on beliefs the child already had developed a long time ago. So at this point, we're in, we're in uh, corrective measures and looking for tools and strategies to support both the parent and the child. And here's what I have noticed, and, and parents know this, that the parents that I work with at least know this, we can't give our kids what we don't already have. So typically, uh, when I have coached kids, let's say, who have anxiety, the parent has a history of showing anxious behaviors. When I have a parent who's very, uh, sorry, whose child is very hard on themselves and down on themselves, the parent is often also very hard on themselves and down on themselves. So we need to support both of them to really start to see the shift happen. It's not one or the other. It's let's collaborate, let's understand, let's create coherence, and let's find a way to support you. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So when when a parent comes to you, that parent or couple uh, needs to be open to uh, not necessarily criticism, but they need to be open to what your opinion is about what's really happening. And they have to be willing to change because if they're not willing, you know, because, I mean, let's face it, some of us parents think that we're perfect and we couldn't do anything (laughs) wrong. Something else is wrong with my kid, right? So if you're not open to change, then your coaching is not going to help them. I don't think anything would help anybody if they're not open to ready and ready to receive to some degree. Sometimes it takes some, you know, a few initial sessions to really understand what I'm offering is not my opinion. What I'm offering is everything is evidence-based, science-based, and research-based. The method of how I... Uh, support clients, yes, is my own method. And, and then that's where, you know, individual creating a fit between parents and myself is really important and kids and myself. So um, am I answering your question? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, obviously, if we're not willing to change, we're not going to make that change. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a moot point in a sense. And 
it does, though, take a little warming up because whenever we do something new, you know, there's, there's a, I don't know, again, the neuroscience, we have these things in our brain called neural pathways. Neural pathways are formed by all of our experiences. If you've never been coached before, if you've never been to therapy before, if you've never done any one particular thing before, there's going to be a natural nervousness, a natural apprehension, a natural even fear. Because we're stepping outside of our comfort zone, we're going to be a little vulnerable, perhaps. And that's why I said we hold in my coaching programs with parents and kids immense, empathic, and brave faith. There is no judgment. There is no shame. This is not about telling a parent, oh, you're doing all these things wrong. Absolutely not. It's about creating coherence about how our patterns are showing up and how they are impacting our children and how we can support both of those parties, the parents and the children, to create what they want, the peaceful, healthy, resilient, uh, high-sustaining, self-confidence dynamics in the family and individually. And... Um, yeah, if someone's resistant, I have training in working with client resistance as well. Resistance actually shows up as a protective mechanism. If we're resistant to something, it's not about like, okay, turn, turn away from your resistance or just ignore it, just pretend like it's not there. It's understanding, hey, this resistance is, you know, we soften to the resistance. This is trying to protect me. It's, it's brand new. I, I'm a little vulnerable here talking about my parenting, talking about how I was parented, talking about what my child's going through, of course it's vulnerable and resistance can show up. And sometimes that's strong for some parents and sometimes that's, okay, little by little for some parents showing up in resistance. Resistance is protection. Right. It's our body I, trying I, to say, hey. Yeah. yeah it's our body trying and to I say, would, hey, this is sorry. I keep cutting yeah. you off. No, that's I okay. I also <laughs> think that that also can create a stronger bond between the child and the parent when the parent is willing to show that vulnerability. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've had parents who will tell their children, you know, I'm doing coaching with Ashley too. You're doing coaching with Ashley, but I am too. And some of the kids are like, why, Mom? You're such a great mom. You don't need anything. Because, and the parents are really clear I want to be better. I want to learn how to support our family. And there's new information here that I didn't know before, and it's fantastic. And they're vulnerable. And the child is like, oh, wow. And you know what that does? Teaches the child we can always learn. We can always right. grow. We can improve. And, hey, I matter to my parents. Right. They're willing yeah. to do this work. That for me, freaking, like, yeah. imagine, I can't imagine, like, as a child myself, I didn't experience that. So if I had, my parent was vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I'm in therapy, yeah, I'm in coaching, yeah, I'm taking this course so that we can all be better as a family and have those peaceful dynamics. I would be exhilarated as a kid, like, wow, my, my parent is doing that. That's super cool. And yeah. what an inspiration to the child that no matter what age, we can always learn and grow and improve. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. I love that, you know, it just creates a stronger family bond. You know, my family is my number one thing, right? So to me, mm -hmm. you know, if my kids wanted to, you know, to do some kind of family coaching, I would be like first in line. I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, my kids are bigger now, so they're like, yeah, you know, 
because now they're at the age where I'm just the mom and I don't know anything. <laughs> right? And I get that, right? I totally get that. But they always come to me when they need when they have problems, right? So yeah. I thought you don't need me, right? Yeah, I, we want to create safe space for them that they're safe enough to come to you. A lot of kids don't have that. A lot of kids grew up like me, I, you know, internalizing their problems, imploding. Not, nobody knows that I'm imploding on the inside, but I am. Um, and, and this happens day in and day out to tons of kids. And parents don't know what's happening. It's important that we create the safe space, the vulnerable space. But how do we do that? First, we got to be vulnerable with our kids. Right. Yeah, I 100% get that. Oh, Ashley, this has been awesome. I've loved this conversation. Um, I wish I would have known about this when my, you know, my daughter was younger because she really needed some, you know, I did some self-love coaching with her, but, you know, when it's your mother, it's not quite the same. Um, yeah. But she, you know, you know, like, I, I guess I want to say typical teenagers because I remember as myself as a teenager, I went through it, all my girlfriends went through it, you know, and I saw it in her and I thought, how do I help this child, right? I did what yeah. I thought was best at the time, but I know now there was a lot more I could have done. So I'm so grateful that there are people like you that are willing to help families out with this because it's, it's a well-needed, well-needed job. Absolutely. The statistics show, you know, people are improved. There's a, awareness is improving about kids' mental health and emotional health and wellness, and yet the statistics are showing that things are getting worse. So something, there, there's a gap, and that's where I want to show up because I was part of that darn gap when I was a kid. And I, don't, I want to be part of the narrative that shifts that for generations to come for my kids and their kids and other kids that I get to support and their families to really see what's happening and understand how to shift that for developing self-confidence, self-esteem, high self-worth, positive self-image, and all those pieces. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I am so grateful that you're doing this. Um, Thank thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Maybe you can tell us what your um, social media handles. It's going to be in the show notes, but if you just want to mention them. Yeah, absolutely. So on Facebook, my Facebook page is um, at The Confidence Coach. I think it's at The Confidence Coach, Y-E-G. The Instagram handle is at The Confidence Coach, Y-E-G. Same with TikTok. (laughs) It's all the same handle. So it's at The Confidence Coach, Y-E-G. And, um, yeah, those are pretty much the same handle all the way around. I do have a private Facebook group that people can join as well for support. I do a lot of videos on there and share videos on TikTok as well. That's perfect. And do you talk about, like, children of all ages or do you aim more at younger children? Uh, Well, I focus a lot on how we can show up as parents because I have a lot of kids, uh, parents with all ages, right? So. Um, it's important that I help support all ages. I, I range from videos that talk about two-year-olds to, you know, 16-year-olds. That's perfect. <laughs> so yeah, that's perfect. Parenting, parenting changes throughout that our lifetime and, and our kids change, so we need to navigate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Conference in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is, they don't even look like that. 
We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape. So if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence and Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at InfoBloomStyling or by email at Tina at InfoBloomStyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on DivasThatCare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.